Well, today, may the Lord bless us as we go through, uh, as we share uh, Isaiah 51. Look, I'm so impressed by you guys going through Isaiah, such a difficult books, faithfully, week in, week out, and going into term one next year. May the Lord bless you. Okay. I'm no expert in Isaiah, Josh, so pardon all the mistakes I make. But uh, Isaiah coming in between chapter 1, coming in between the third and the fourth servant songs, it's a prayer to me. It's a prayer. It's a cry from the people uh, and an exaltation message from God as God speaks to the small remnant of faithful people who were pursuing his righteousness and seeking the Lord. This chapter was probably written at the end uh, of the Babylonian cap- uh, ca- uh, captivity around 550 BC, in a time when most of these Israelites that we are referring to who, who were crying were probably uh, born in exiles. And they would have been as servants in servitude uh, and never having seen Jerusalem. Uh, they, they, they would have spent their lives, all their lives, in a time of hardship, in a time of challenges, struggles, in a time of minimum hope and maximum challenge to their belief. They will be tempted to question, Yahweh, where are you? Have you abandoned us, the second, third generations? Or are you now not sufficiently powerful against these powerful governments of the day in Babylon? It would be tempting for them to drift away, to follow other gods and other ways of life. The kingdom that they were in was strong, was controlling, was forceful and hostile. It was not a devout, godly culture. The risk that the, uh, the Israelites uh, would be living in such a culture with such an ungodly uh, 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 control and suppression is that you'll be drawn into worrying, you'll be drawn into wondering, you'll be drawn into hurrying to adjust to the society, to accommodate in order to survive and maybe even to prosper. To the extent that you'll lose your balance, your identity get washed away. Get watered down at least because you have to go along with the secular society. And in the process, your faith weakens. You might start to forget who you are and where you come from as you insidiously give yourself over to the claims of the culture and the government of the day because these claims on our lives are powerful and encompassing. This is especially if your life experience was not best in Jerusalem. You have never been there before. The city of God that your godfathers have been telling you about. But there was a remnant, a small group of people, of true worshippers, who have never been to Jerusalem, who is seeing the society oppressing them, and yet they were hanging in there. And yet they were seeking the Lord. And yet they were pursuing righteousness despite all this. But for them, the situation was not looking any better day by day. Their faith was becoming more and more dry and more and more painful. And their patience and trust in the Lord was starting to wear thin. Their number would probably be also reducing, decreasing and weakening. And so in verse 9 of Isaiah 51, we saw them cry to the Lord. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Oh, that's an 
awfully desperate, almost disrespectful prayer. It's saying that God, come on God, arm yourself. You are weak. Oh no, I'm, I, I, I even has, you know, hesitate to say that. But that's what the, 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 the verse 9 says. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord, curve yourself with strength. Awake as in the days gone by, as in the generation of old. Stop sleeping, God. Awake. That was a desperate call. Was it not you who cut Rahab, the, the, the monster of Egypt, to, to pieces? Let me remind you how great you were. Was it not you who dry up the sea, the Red Sea, the waters of the great deep, who make a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Have we not made those cries ourselves sometimes? God, where are you? Please come. God, where are you? In the midst of our confusion of what this society is all about, as our number and our strength weakens or seems and we seem to become a remnant. God, come, help us as we drift, as we are losing our identity, as our young people are struggling. We are becoming overcome, overwhelmed in the crowd. Please come, Lord. In the midst of our seeking and pursuing you, we feel so dry, so alone. In the midst of our challenges, our illnesses, our enemies, our oppressors, our lives, our faith has been tough going and our soul dry. Help, Lord, awake, awake. But God was awake. Even before verse 9, in verse 1 to verse 8, God was speaking. In fact, God was speaking Encouraging the Israelites to hold on to some important truths about God himself and some truths about the believers themselves. God was very definite and he, we use what we call imperatives, you know, in this, in, in, in the way that God spoke and uh, in these first eight verses. There are three sets of imperatives that I would share with you. The first set is verse one. Listen to me. And look, that's what God said. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. What was God saying? Ask yourself in time like this, where do you come from? Or more precisely, who do you come from? We have an old saying, you have an old saying, the chip of the old block meaning that uh, you know, a person uh, is, is very similar in character and personality uh, and even appearance to his uh, father from whom he, or mother from whom he comes from. So the question is, what sort of rock or quarry are we from? Well, the next verse talks about uh, Abraham. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah. But we as Christians today, we could even look further back which, what shape or what parts of this big rock that I come from. And we know that we are created in the image of God. We are created in Christ. We are a little piece of our rock, God. Colossians chapter 1 says this, and I want to share a little bit about these few verses here. Verse 15. 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Now, propositions are the hardest for second, uh, you know, language uh, learners uh, like myself. You know, in, through, for, for, yeah. And, and there are three propositions here. Paul is telling how deeply connected we are to Christ, who creates me, how intimately I am linked to him. The first thing Paul says is that I am made in him. What does that mean? That means that I am the, I, I am the seed. He is the one that gives me the life. I, I come from within him. I'm a small seed from him. You know, it's just like a, a, a little baby, a little, you know, from the ovum or ovary, you know, the, and, and, and the sperm, you know, together. I am that. Christ contributes that. My life is linked to him. I make in Christ. I make in him. He is the one who is my source, who is my origin, who is my beginning. He is the one who burst me into flames, into life, into a vibrant being, into who I am. He is the one that this chip comes from that block from. And today he is sustaining that flame. He is still in us, bursting us causing us to live vibrantly, empowering us in the abundant life that he promises. I am man in him. I am totally connected to him. The second thing Paul says is, I am man through him. Not only did I originate from him, it is he is like a mother who carries me for that time, the process of me growing and molding me into the beauty that he has in mind. How wonderful it is. I am not an island. I am not an accident that happens. I am making him. I am made through him. And finally, I am made for him. That is the highlight. You know, the highlight of these three propositions is that I am not something that out of inconvenience that God makes or, 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 or some, some accidents Christ created me with joy. Christ created me with purpose. Christ created me for love and for intimacy. And, and I'm created for Him. So that for Him and for me together we are created. So that one day, how wonderful it is, the union of Christ, that I am His bride. So, to the remnant, to us who are a little bit down, God says, look to the rock. Where you come from, look to the quarry where you are human. Christ and you is together. As the psalmist said, for you created my inner being. You need me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well. Wake up, wake up. Don't slam down in despair. In your life. Thank you, Lord. I am wonderfully made. I am intimately linked to you. And my life will be an empty void, will be no purpose, will be 
if I haven't got you? When I am connected to you, I find the true cause of my life. I find the true meaning, the true fulfillment, the genuine peace, the genuine joy above all circumstances and into eternity. The second set of imperative that Isaiah spoke from God to the people is uh, verse 2. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. Okay. God is saying to the, to, to, to the people then, I am the God of Abraham and Sarah. And God is saying to us today that I am the God of you. I am your God. God not only creates you and me, but he loves and he remains very engaged with me. He is linked to me as much as I am linked to him. God is linked to me as much as I am linked to him. I am your God. The question is, who is this God like? Who is this God like? And the next few verses, next two verses, when God said, look at the God of Abraham and Sarah, he said, I am the God who blessed you. I am the God who blessed my people. And he said, I am your God. I am the God who prosper your people. I am the God who strengthen and build you up. Look, Abraham was weak. Abraham was just one. But I prosper him. I bless him. I strengthen him. He becomes many. Beyond the dreams of Abraham. Even to today, we are kind of the spiritual children of this man of faith. Abraham and Sarah didn't have a smooth sailing life. Abraham and Sarah has a promise from God, just like you have a promise from God. But guess what? Abraham and Sarah has to wait and wait and wait and wait until they think that it is almost impossible. And that's when God showed himself. That was not the end of the story, as you know. Abraham then had Isaac, and, 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 and guess what? God called upon Abraham to give out his son. To give out his legacy. To give out his hope. What did Abraham do? Abraham triumphed through all this. It was heartbreaking, I'm sure, for Abraham. But God said, who am I? I'm the God who blessed. I'm the God who prosper you. I'm the God who will strengthen you, even in the midst of your wedding season, even in the midst of your desert time. Verse 3 says, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. Our God is a God who comforts her people, his people. Zion is feeling lost in the chaos, in the hardship, in the culture, feeling oppressed. But the God said, but God said, look, I'm looking at you with tender compassion. God's eyes are full of compassion. When you see the destructions, the hurts, the illnesses, the heartbreaks brought upon his people. In fact, God didn't say it here, but he looked, in fact, the servant songs imply that and all the, all the prophecies in Isaiah. But what God was saying, that I look at you with so much love and desire for you that I tore my heart on heart out. 
I send my son so that it can be torn apart for you and me. That's incredible. The heartbreak of God because he has to sacrifice his son more than Abraham has to sacrifice Isaac. He actually did it. I couldn't grasp. I, I couldn't understand. How could I be so desirable? How could God desire a fallen, sinful, failing man like me? But that's what he said. I look at you with compassion. I look at you and I send my son so that all who believe and trust him and hang on to him will never die, but will have eternal life. We are created for Christ, for God, because he wants to link us up. In a time like this, that's what we need to hear, isn't it? To understand where we come from, who we are. And finally, God said uh, uh, that in verse 3, He will make her desert, your desert, my desert, like Eden, her wastelands, like the garden of the Lord. God wants to refresh us. God wants to rejuvenate us. God wants to see us through our dry, difficult time. We all have desert sessions in our life. We all have struggles. We all have times of depressions. I don't know about you. I have. Anxieties, fear. One of my most loved prayers in the Bible is one poor prayer for the Colossians. I, I, I hope you go back and read it. Uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 2. And uh, when Paul said, I, my goal for you, my prayer for you, is that you will be encouraged in heart and united in love. Okay. Martin Luther was so depressed, he locked himself up for days. He gave, he, he was preaching to the local church at Wittenberg. And he was so discouraged by the reception of these people who never changed their life. He said, I will never preach again. Thank God he didn't uh, uh, take that up. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, he was suffering from kidney pain, from Bright's disease of the kidney. And and one day when he was in uh, in this uh, big meeting, someone shout fire among the uh, congregation, although there was no fire. And people trampled on one another and a few died. And he was so emotionally traumatized by this that my wife said, that I, sometimes I think we, we, he will never preach again. This prince of preaching, preachers, I'm so thankful that depression did not get him down. Forever. Adoniram Jackson, some of you probably know him very well, who was a missionary to Burma, there for decades. He lost his three kids who died. And then one day his wife died from smallpox. He dug the hole and buried his wife there and he dug a, ne- a hole next to that hole for himself. He sat there, he looked at it, and he said this, God, God is to me the great unknown. I mean, this guy has been serving faithfully and now at this part of his life when his wife dies and his children have died, he said, God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I know him not. Have you felt like this in your life? If you have, that's okay. The great missionary Judson had felt that. But thank God, God lifted him up. 
his desert lands, his wastelands becomes Eden. He continued serving in Burma faithfully. Tens of thousands of Burmese people have come to Christ because and of this man. Through our season, through my season, through your season, joy and greatness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing. You are my God. When I cry, awake, awake, God says, remember, remember. I am your God and I'll bless you, lift you, quench your thirst, refresh your spirit. I need to hurry it up now. The third imp- imperative, third sets of imperative. Listen to me, my people, hear me, my nation. God is telling us that I am in charge of the world. I am your salvation. I am your righteousness. I am your justice. I am your redeemer, your eternal king of glory. And we are his people. God is charging us to retune our perspective of the world. To not live in our culture and forget to realign our heart towards him. Lift your eyes to heaven. Look. I'm in charge of that. I'm the maker of it. But you can be certain that all this will pass and, and all this culture, all this society thing will pass and worries or even everyday challenge. Look at the earth down you, you know, and, and don't be disheartened. Do not be overwhelmed. Be distressed. Be terrified by all these unkind people. And God went on to affirm in the next uh, uh, portion of this uh, book, uh, from uh, verses 12 to 13 to say, you know, I am your comfort. I am your security. Please go home and read that passage. I can't uh, expose it too much because of time. I am your maker. I am your protector. I am your liberator. I am the Lord, your God. My name is the Lord Almighty. I have given my words, the words in the Bible, in your mouth. I have covered you under the shadow of my hand. You are my people. That's what verse 16 said. And verse 17, God turns around and instead of the people crying out, Awake, awake, it is God crying, calling us. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You who have been drunk, you who have been drifted away, you who have been depressed, you who have been slunken and lied down, and you who could not even pick yourself up anymore. What have been holding you back? What have been disheartening you? Israel, your sins, your faithlessness in me have dragged you down. You have been put through this tough time because of this. Now I'm cleansing you from all that. All the consequences of your sin, all the consequences of your failure, of your fallouts, of the judgments that you deserve. What's God telling us? Put all this behind us. Put away your past trauma. Put away your past and present rejections. Even when you were neglected, as this woman here in those verses, were neglected by her children. Put away your loneliness. No one was there to guide her. He was rejected. He was alone. Put away all the bullies, the double calamities in verse 19. The famine, the sword, the the ruins, the destructions. Put away your own drunkenness, your own despair, your own depression, your own affliction, your own failures, your own mistakes, your own weaknesses. 
I have been bound by the fact that I was not and I am not a good enough Christian. I can think back to some of the glorious days that I have with my walk with the Lord, but, and I said, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. And this is what God says. Awake, awake, wake up, Jerusalem. Put this behind you because I am your God. I am your righteousness. Put this behind you. Do not keep blaming yourself. Do not be tied down by your guilt. Do not keep crying over regrets and live in the perpetual misery and helplessness. Stop. Wake up. Rise up. Stand up. I am your God. I am restoring you. And if I can go to the first verse of chapter 52, which is another call uh, from God. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on the garments of splendor. You've given me a title today for this sermon. It's called Faith X. This is how Faith X. Faith is what I am sinking I look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I am going to stand up. Give me the courage. Strengthen me. Awaken me. Renew me. Be strong. And be of a good courage because of me. May the Lord bless you.